A nice reporter. Now the poor guy, you got to see this guy. Oh, I don't know what I said. Ah, oh, I don't remember. He's going like, I don't remember. I go, oh, maybe that's what I said. Oh, for once, I'm glad the broadcast doesn't have video. Ugh. Oh, yeah. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. Right here at the broadcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 FM KSO in Cottage Grove, on 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui, coast to coast and around the globe on kpfk.org, on the Stitcher app, the TuneIn app, on iTunes, on the Progressive Voices channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, the awesome RadioOrNot.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, and Radio Sputnik five days a week. The broadcast is usually hosted by Brad Friedman of Bradblog.com, but today, well, you got me, Nicole Sandler of RadioOrNot.com. You know, sometimes, to make a point... We have to resort to the tools we use to teach children. So here we go, boys and girls. A, B, C, D, E, F. What's that? F. That's it. Give me an F. F. Listen now to the letter F. Because in the next few fragments, the letter F will be featured. Fool me once. Shame on, shame on you. Ah. Uh. Fool me, we can't get fooled again. Yep, you're a feather in my arm. Hi, I'm Murray from Sesame Street, and I'm looking for the word on the street. What's the word on the street? Fascism. Ah. What does the word fascism mean? <laughs> well, good question. I'm glad you asked. I know you thought I was going to bring out that other F word. Well, I can't because we're on the radio. So no worries. We're FCC friendly here. But today we will examine the word fascism. No, I didn't just pull that one out of the blue. Let me share a couple of paragraphs from the latest article by Heather Digby Parton at Salon. She wrote, over the past week or so, something unusual has happened in American politics. Political figures, mainstream scholars and commentators are describing a leading contender for president of the United States as a fascist. Sure, she continues, people on bar stools around the country have done this forever, but it's unprecedented to see such a thing on national television and in the pages of major newspapers. And she cites as an example a piece by M.J. Lee at CNN, who wrote, It was after Trump started calling for stronger surveillance of Muslim Americans in the aftermath of the Paris terrorist attacks that a handful of conservatives ventured to call Trump's rhetoric something much more dangerous. Fascism. Quote, Trump is a fascist, and that's not a term I use loosely or often, but he's earned it, tweeted Max Boot, a conservative fellow at the Council on Foreign Relations who's advising Marco Rubio. Here's another one, quote, forced federal registration of U.S. citizens based on religious identity is fascism, period, nothing else to call it. That's a quote from Jeb Bush's national security advisor, John Noonan, 
on Twitter. And this one, conservative Iowa radio host Steve Deese, who's endorsed Ted Cruz, also used the F word last week. Quote, if Obama proposed the same religion registry as Trump, every conservative in the country would call it what it is, creeping fascism. So in the interest of, uh, well, public interest, uh, I'm going to share with you one of what I consider the best explanations of the term. This article, published by Lawrence Britt back in 2003, is called The 14 Characteristics of Fascism. Now, see if you recognize a certain reality television star with ridiculous hair. All right, here we go. Number one, powerful and continuing nationalism. Fascist regimes tend to make constant use of patriotic mottos, slogans, symbols, songs, and other paraphernalia. Flags are seen everywhere, as are flag symbols on clothing and in public displays. Number two, disdain for the recognition of human rights. Because of fear of enemies and the need for security, the people in fascist regimes are persuaded that human rights can be ignored in certain cases because of, quote, need. The people tend to look the other way or even approve of torture, summary executions, assassinations, long incarcerations, etc. Number three, identification of enemies slash scapegoats as a unifying cause. When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. They're not sending you. They're not sending you. They're sending people that have lots of problems, and they're bringing those problems with us. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. And some, I assume, are good people. (laughs) Yeah, some, he assumes, are good people. Okay, number five, rampant sexism. You know, she she gets out and she starts asking me all sorts of ridiculous questions. And, you know, you could see there was blood coming out of her eyes, uh, blood coming out of her wherever. Wherever. Uh, number six, controlled mass media. Fox, anyone? Number seven, obsession with national security. Hmm. Fear is used as a motivational tool by the government over the masses. Imagine that. Number eight. Of the 14 characteristics of fascism, number eight, religion and government are intertwined. That sounds familiar. Number nine, corporate power is protected. Number 10, labor power is suppressed. Of course, because the organizing power of labor is the only real threat to a fascist government. Labor unions are either eliminated entirely or are severely suppressed. Number 11, disdain for intellectuals and the arts. Number 12, obsession with crime and punishment. Yes, under fascist regimes, the police are given almost limitless power to enforce laws. The people are often willing to overlook police abuses and even forego civil liberties in the name of patriotism. There's often a national police force with virtually unlimited power in fascist nations. For example, do you think we should bring back enhanced interrogation like waterboarding? Well, we have to be strong. You know, they don't use waterboarding over there. They use chopping off people's heads. They use drowning people. I don't know if you've seen with the cages where they put people in cages and they drown them in the ocean and then they lift out the cage. And we're talking about waterboarding. So you bring back waterboarding? We have to. I would I would bring it back. Yes, I would bring it back. I think waterboarding is peanuts compared to what they do to us, what they're doing to us, what they did to James Foley when they chopped off his head. That's a whole different level. And I would absolutely bring back uh, interrogation and strong interrogation. 
Number 13, rampant cronyism and corruption. And number 14, fraudulent elections. Stay tuned. November 2016 is less than a year away. All right, those are the uh, 14 characteristics of fascism as compiled by one Lawrence Britt. I will post the link in the show description at bradblog.com. All right, I'm Nicole Sandler in for Brad Friedman today on the Bradcast. We'll take a break and come back with a wide-ranging and um, fascinating interview with Howie Klein of downwithtyranny.com and the Blue America Pack next. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free broadcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us out today. All right, welcome back to the Bradcast. I'm Nicole Sandler of RadioOrNot.com. In for Brad and Desi again today, hoping that you had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday, that you didn't eat too much or drink too much, or that if you did, that you're recovering nicely. I host my show at RadioOrNot.com weekday mornings from 10 to noon Eastern, and of course it's available anytime. And every Thursday morning, Howie Klein is my guest. Uh, It's important to hear from someone like Howie anyway, but especially as we're in an election year, it's more important than ever. Howie Klein, of course, blogs at downwithtyranny.com, and along with Digby of Digby's Hullabaloo and John Amato of of Crooks and Liars, the three of them together run the Blue America Pack. And their reason for being is to identify and help raise money for the most progressive candidates running for office from uh, House seats to the Senate. And this time, for the first time ever, Blue America is raising money for a presidential candidate as well. There is a lot to talk with Howie Klein about today. And we covered all the bases. But I figured now we have we were a lot of Republicans the using the F word as it relates to, to describe Trump, Donald Trump. That would be a the good word place is to fascism start. Um, or fascism. Oh, I thought you were referring to the way I refer to Trump on my blog, which is T R U M P F, which is the original German spelling of his family's name. Wow. Okay. Well, no. Well, he might be a frump, but no. Uh, fascism is is uh, being used to describe what he is promoting. And it goes back, you know, funny, I was reading article after article and sort of um, re- going back to the links that to see where somebody trotted out the F word to describe Donald Trump. And it seems to be Rick Perlstein <laughs> a couple of months ago at the Washington Spectator. And he, I was there before Rick. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Already designed art before that uh, we had uh, been referring to him you know i wasn't calling him um a hitler i was referring to him 
consistently as as a Mussolini oh. character. Okay. And remember, when Mussolini was denounced as a fascist, what the word that was always used always was buffoon. And and it struck me that Trump, at first, it struck me that Trump was a buffoon, and I realized he was a a Mussolini-type buffoon, and that's when we designed uh, uh, some really beautiful uh, Trump artwork uh, a few months ago. You know, I I tweeted this out earlier today, but I have to mention it to you as well. Uh, Downwithtyranny.com, you you have amazing commentary, wonderful commentary. uh, articles written by you and others um, that that I you know is a must stop read on on the internet for anybody who cares about certainly progressive politics. But I had to comment on the artwork because you come out with some of the most um, hysterical uh, caricatures of these politicians. Uh, I tweeted one out today of Trump as a zombie that I particularly enjoyed. And you said your art department works long and hard on those. I didn't I didn't realize there was a down with tyranny art department. Oh, there is. I mean, believe me, that's not stuff I could do. Uh, you know, we have a, you know, he doesn't want me to use his name because he's a somewhat famous artist oh. and he doesn't want to be associated with, with this kind of stuff. But he, uh, he spends hours and hours and hours putting together, especially something like those, those gifts where, you know, in that one, I don't know if you noticed or not, but Trump's eyes. His eyes. Moving. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's great. Uh, maybe so one day. tuned that even before I write the stories, or as I'm writing the stories, often in the middle of me writing a story, he has figured out what I'm going to do, and he's already got the art done. Oh, that's so funny. Well, maybe one day a good fundraiser would be, uh, you know, well, it wouldn't work in a book because gifts that are animated don't work, but maybe like a, a Tumblr or something of all the Down With Tyranny artwork over the years could be a, a fun thing, you know, in your yeah. spare time. Yeah some incredible Bernie posters as well, oh, yeah. which we're thinking about uh, mass producing and and uh, getting out there to sell uh, for um, raising money for Bernie. Yeah, well, you know, um, uh, speaking of one of the posters, this is, uh, you have this thing, and I, I actually, this might be real. At first I thought it was, you know, you have the article, Trump trotting out the black pastors again. And there is actually something going on on November 30th. I looked at it very briefly. I thought, oh, this is another spoof ad. But this is the real thing. Is he doing like a pay-per-view with Trump and the, and the ministers? Well, if you'll if you notice, at the bottom of that article, there's a video of, of him doing, having done this in, I think, the end of September. So this isn't the first time. These are uh, a bunch. I, I don't want to, you know, cast a, uh, cast an aspersion on everyone because I certainly don't know all hundred of these guys. Right. But the the lead guy and some of the others are just hustlers. They're just, you know, uh, I mean, you know, drug addicts who are found another way to make some money. People who are happy to, uh, you know, take Trump's money and give him an endorsement. I mean, the shame of 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 African American ministers. Um, endorsing this this fascist who encouraged his his fans i don't want to call them anything but fans mm-hmm. to uh to beat up an african-american man where there we are in alabama of all places of course birmingham alabama is you know 20 you know white guys just kicking the out of one single black guy by himself yep. and trump yelling, get him the hell out of here, get him the hell out of here. Yeah, <laughs> and, right. and, then you, and then you have a few weeks later, 100 African-American pastors endorsing Trump. 
Just shameful, just shameful, shameful, shameful. Very shameful. And so this thing is happening on Monday. You got to wonder, as you put in there, maybe then afterwards they get to go and uh, meet privately with him or something, kiss his ring and collect the check. Exactly. Right. Because, you know. Uh, it, it, my, my guess is he's been paying these people for some time, uh, just like he's been paying the religious right organizations for years. He's been giving giving large sums of money to, to these organizations. I, I didn't know that, uh, but uh, a friend of mine had done some of the research there and, and found it. Well, that's interesting. And you also point out that when Trump made his big announcement that he was going to run, uh, he actually paid like extras to be in the background at Trump Tower so it wouldn't look so anemic. Of course, now <laughs> I guess he's paying his followers in another way with a celebrity or something. I, I just I don't <laughs> understand it. Uh, but we are seeing this um, incredible turning on the Donald by the other candidates. You know, it's interesting because you and I both watched, I think, Peril in Parallel, um, this article that was, I guess, planted uh, the other day um, about John Kasich being close to bankruptcy and that uh, he's soon going to have to suspend his campaign. And well, I said saw- it would be before Thanksgiving, right? Which meant it would be yesterday, right? And did- I. It was, it, was, it was a fake, plant, like you said, planted article. Yeah. Well, I didn't catch that. I mean, it was on a website that I'd never heard of before, but it looked like some kind of aggregator. But you on Twitter raised the question, is this a plant? Was this a Trump plant? And you did some sleuthing and saw, uh, well, that you couldn't exactly say for certain. But yeah, I mean, it looks like it came up. Uh, that article was planted soon after this Kasich ad likening Trump to a Nazi, sort of, went viral. I think he was a police. A former uh, military guy. There you go. Okay, so here, that's how it opens here. I would like anyone who is listening to consider some thoughts that I paraphrase from the words of German pastor Martin Niemöller. You might not care if Donald Trump says Muslims must register with their government because you're not one. And you might not care if Donald Trump says he's going to round up all the Hispanic immigrants because you're not one. And you might not care if Donald Trump says it's okay to rough up black protesters because you're not one. And you might not care if Donald Trump wants to suppress journalists because you're not one. But think about this. If he keeps going and he actually becomes president, He might just get around to you, and you better hope that there's someone left to help you. And and then it it fades to black, and the only thing that comes up along the bottom is a little thing paid for by Kasich uh, campaign or something like that. So otherwise, I wouldn't have even known where this came from, but that went online and went viral, and then just a mere few hours later... Um, up pops this bogus story about Kasich's campaign being close to bankruptcy and ending? On a very, very suspicious website, by the way, which is full of malware. Uh, and if you, if you press the right buttons, unfortunately, or the wrong buttons, you wind up getting your computer seized oh. by uh, you know, some, some uh, uh, hacking firm in India. Wow. Uh, and, and then uh, you know, it's, it's just a nightmare. I mean, I would never, never... Uh, tell anybody to go on that website. In fact, um, it's it's a dangerous, dangerous website. Wow, well, that's scary because I know I went there and read the article. I don't recall clicking on anything, but I may need to just run the, In order the to virus. In the really bad stuff to happen to you, you have to click 
and then uh, and then what happens is they'll, they 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 depending on what browser you're on. For example, I'm on Safari, so a something that is exactly a Safari notice comes up, telling you to. Um, uh, to click on it because there's something wrong with your computer and they'll fix it for you. Oh God! If you do click on it, you're in trouble. Uh, and what what happens is then they, they will they will ask you to agree to a bunch of stuff. If you agree to it, you're you're you're, well, you're, an you're, idiot. you're in really really bad shape. <laughs> right. So and it looks like you can't get away from it. Once that thing is there, you can't operate your computer. So once that Safari thing comes up, it's not a real Safari thing. You uh, you can't do anything except you can close your computer down, and if you close your computer down, it goes away, and that's what you have to do. So this so this is really bad bad malware, and that and that's that site. So you know, wow, you know Donald Trump, yes, unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable. And meanwhile, John Kasich, me though, Nicole, um, you know, I mean, it was you know. Anyone would be suspicious that it came up. I mean, like you're talking about it from the terms of, well, this anti-Trump Nazi thing comes up, uh, and then a few hours later, this thing happens. Yeah. Okay, that's the obvious. However, what I noticed in it, in, there was gratuitous remarks that made no sense in the article that were pure Donald Trump, like pure. Like, for example, an attack for no reason whatsoever that had nothing to do in any way with, with the article, just like a Trumpian attack on, Mar on Marco Rubio. <laughs> there was no reason for it to be there, it was literally. And it was just a throwaway line, and it was so weird. And that, that was another giveaway that this was Trump, a Trump-inspired thing. It, it, it's impossible that it, be, that it was done by anybody but him. Right. So, well, yeah, and there's no way to prove it, though. That's the thing. Just uh, just know to stay away from that and just know that Donald Trump is, he's just a sociopath and a narcissist. I mean, I, I'm amazed that he's still in this thing. And now the so-called uh, news pundits who, who for so long said, ah, pay no attention to the guy behind the curtain. He's, he's a flash in the pan. Well, he's proving them all wrong because he's still there. And now he's sitting atop the Iowa polls again. In a very big way. This is frightening, frightening. But yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's, it was all, there's, there's so much about that that's so strange. I mean, for one thing, he's sitting atop the Iowa polls right after his, he reacted to the fact that um, uh, Carson sort of got a little bit ahead of him in yep, Iowa. Right. And he, his reaction was, what's wrong with those people? In, in Iowa, right. Uh, are they brain damaged from right. too much Monsanto? <laughs> Uh, fertilizer, oh and you know, so he's making fun of the people, and I and I guess they got frightened and went back to him again. They <laughs> thought <laughs> he had something there. Oh my God! Yeah, well, you know, stranger things have happened, I suppose. Though I can't recall any of them off the top of my head. So uh, there, there's the Donald Trump curiosity for the day, and he lives on, which is mind blowing to me. Time for a very quick break, and then back with more from Howie Klein talking about uh, our conversation last week in which Alan Grayson and Doris Hillary Clinton ah, uh, and so much more. Stick around. Howie Klein, back with me, Nicole Sandler of RadioOrNot.com on the broadcast. One more Nicole. She's on live Monday through Friday from 10 to noon Eastern Time and repeating all day at RadioOrNot.com. Listen anytime. You didn't get sucked into the Black Friday madness, now, did you? 
No, you know better than that. Come on, broadcast listeners are smarter than going out shopping on Black Friday, right? Right. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Nicole Sandler of RadioOrNot.com. My guest is Howie Klein. He's a regular on my show. He joins me every Thursday morning for, as you can tell, very frank political discussions. Today, we cover just about everything. So let's get back to it, shall we? Howie, shall we? Howie Klein of DownWithTyranny.com and the Blue America Pack on the broadcast. I'd be remiss if I didn't go here. You you put up a post uh, last Sunday, November 22nd. And the title was, I'd never vote for Hillary, but some of my best friends plan to. This is, you know, this is a sticky situation for a lot of progressives. And just the scenario you lay out in this piece, um, uh, you know, the Hillary Clinton is a strong uh, personality. She is um, very likely to be... Uh, perhaps our first female president. In fact, it's almost a a Republican thing. It's like it's her turn. And um, so some people feel like they have to uh, get in her corner. Others, like the Democratic Party. It is the Republican establishment thing. Yes, it is. The Republican Party has been now, you know, very much uh, in turmoil about uh, uh, the battle between the establishment and the outsiders. I wish the Democratic Party was having as um, vibrant uh, a, a a debate about uh, the establishment versus the uh, the outsiders you because in the Republican Party it looks like they have a chance the outsiders have a chance to win obviously the outsiders are a bunch of fascist bigots but in the Democratic Party the outsiders would be more represented by by Bernie Sanders and Bernie's followers or Elizabeth Warren and Elizabeth's followers or mm-hmm. Alan Grayson and Alan's followers so and then the establishment of the Democratic Party of course. It, they're not Republicans, but it, it's it's more like the, the Hillary people. Uh, right. Where it's her turn. Let's get in line. We're going to do what's right here. It's like, I'm sorry. I, I've, I've gotten so cynical that, you know, I, I changed my name on Twitter to Cynical Sandler. Um, but, I, all, you know, I don't know why we even bother with the primary process. We've talked about it. The Democratic Party is in the tank for uh, Hillary. And we've talked about the Senate race here in Florida. And one of many where, uh, as you call him, little Chucky Schmucky is calling the shots. And he's decided that the conservative Dem, Patrick Murphy, will get the nomination. But there's a more another aspect that I dealt with on my show last week, actually here on um, on uh, on uh, the broadcast as well. And that was the the announcement. Well, it wasn't even really announcement. The very quiet notification sort of that Alan Grayson had very quietly endorsed Hillary Clinton. And I just I felt like I was punched to the stomach. And I know from a lot of people I've heard from, both, you know, writing to me, um, uh, commenters in my chat room, you know, other people that I don't know on Facebook, a lot of people feel the same way. And I had a long, very, I think, kind of a brutal discussion with Congressman Grayson. I mean, I still like him, but I I really don't understand this. I, I guess if I was just a, you know, a politician, this is politics as usual, but Grayson is not politics as usual. Well, it didn't start out as an, as an endorsement per se. Uh, great, they were, they were, Grayson was asked to join her leadership committee. When he did decide, he said he would be just as happy to join Bernie Sanders' leadership committee, and, uh, which doesn't exist. Yeah. And he, 
he didn't in his mind it wasn't an endorsement but if they were going to use it that way that's that was he didn't he didn't care because in his mind what he from what he's told me is that he endorses both of them he's not endorsing hillary over bernie he's endorsing the fact that hillary hillary would be a, a, a good next president he will say the same exact stuff about bernie being a good next president i don't want to be the ones to be defending him but that's what he believes in but there's something else here which is that Practically, with the exceptions of Raul Grijalva Mm -hmm. and Keith Ellison, every Democrat in the the House and in the Senate, almost every Democratic official, some of them being incredibly wonderful, good Democrats, almost all of them have endorsed Hillary for whatever reason, whatever calculation they're making, part of which is like – you want to see Trump as president? You want yeah, to see Ted Cruz yeah. as president? You want to see Marco Rubio as president? That's part of a calculation that people are making. It's, I, it's not, look, Blue America wasn't just the first of the progressive PACs to endorse and start raising money for Hillary. You know what? You, I'm sorry, for, for Bernie. Right. We're not just the first. We're also the only one. The only one. No one else is doing that. As far as I know, all of the big progressive PACs, not a single one is raising money for Bernie. We are the only one doing it, and we do it every single day. Every day. We are asking people to please consider the difference between Bernie and, um, and, and Hillary. Now, in, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen if Hillary wins the primary, but uh, but in my mind, we're, I I would think we're out of it at that point. You know, Bernie is the first and the only presidential candidate we've ever endorsed. Yep. We didn't endorse Obama in, in either in 2008 or 2012. We never raised one penny for him, and 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 that's because Bernie is what we're all about. That's I mean, right. his ideas, what, the way his vision, that is what Blue America is about, and that's why we supported him. Now, <clears throat> that said, I, tell, I, I am completely sincere when I tell you that I respect uh, anyone who thinks that you know, they have a reason to endorse and to back and to support and to vote for and to contribute to Hillary. That's their Prerogative. Yep. I don't agree with it, but yep. you know I don't have anything uh, negative to say about them, I, and I have no judgment uh, to put against them for doing it. I, I that, you know, I was, I was fearful. I knew there were going to be no Republicans at dinner last night. I, I mean, I didn't know 100% there uh-huh. wouldn't be, but I didn't think there would be any Republicans. <clears throat> I was invited to a dinner. Right. But I had a feeling that if there was any kind of political discussion, it would come from of some some aggressive Hillary person, and sure enough, that's what happened. And everyone was very embarrassed because I kind of gathered that everyone else at the table was a Bernie supporter, and people looked away, and people looked at their feet, and people didn't want to say anything, didn't want to fight with her. Maybe she was a little tipsy, maybe not. I don't know, but she uh, was definitely going on and on in a very very aggressive way about Hillary and the greatness of Hillary, and it was making me laugh, although to myself, I didn't want to get in a fight with her, it was making me laugh that it was like your crazy uncle who's talking about Trump at right. some other dinner, or, uh, or any Republican. And, you know, finally her husband shut her up. Uh, and, you know, she, uh, you know, there's no judgment on her. She really believes in Hillary. She wants to, she has this whole thing about the, the healing power of women oh, no. and how important it's going to be to have a, have a woman president. I agree with that stuff. I, I really think that she's, I have no 
bone to pick with her about having a woman president. I, I, you know, if Elizabeth Warren were running, I'm sure Bernie wouldn't be running. Yep, no, I, you're right. We'd all be on the same page. Yep. Uh, no, you're right. And, and here, but my thing with Grayson. Who found someone else to run against, uh, against Elizabeth Warren. Who would have found someone? Are the Democrats? The corporate Democrats, of yeah. Course. The, the, right. the, the, the establishment Democrats, the part of the party that Hillary is part of. Uh, th- that those people, if if it was Elizabeth Warren, they would have been panic stricken, and they would have found some other. You know, I don't know who they would have found. Uh, you know, uh, Warner from Virginia, oh, John God. Warner, or oh, uh, Mark Warner. I mean, from Virginia, right. or or some other like uh, corporate uh, establishment Democrat. Yeah, but they have Hillary. They do. So they've, so they've got the the woman argument on their side. It's her only argument in my, in my mind. I think I mean, so too. And and actually, look, the, I I hate the generalizations. Of course, I'd love to see a female president. I'm a woman, for God's sake. But it depends. You know, it's like Emily's list. They'll back the woman over the progressive every time because what? Because she has ovaries. That doesn't do it for me. I'm sorry. It's got to be the right woman. Or it's, you know, it's just another, well, another person that I don't want to see in the White House. But, um, you know, that, all that said, Howie, I, you, I feel I feel very, very much the same way about it. But like I said, I do respect the idea that that women have. It's a powerful and important idea that there are women who will say it doesn't matter. We want a woman in yeah. office. It's time. It's past time. I, I agree with that. But and I, I respect don't. it. You and see, I, I think I, it's I'm not, just I, I'm not going to fight it. Yeah. Well, I and. Admit, I knew in, in, in 2008 that Obama wasn't going to be my ideal kind of uh-huh. president. Uh, and I voted for him anyway. And I voted for him because I felt it was uh, about time that we break the, the glass ceiling for black people. Well, it was. But, but, but by the same token, you wouldn't vote for Herman Cain because he was running because he was black. <laughs> right? I mean, oh. come on. Or Ben Carson, for that matter. Uh, and, and, you know, I say it all. I really hate politics, but better way to put it is what uh, Shepard Smith said. You know, politics is weird and creepy. And here's my thing with Grayson. And I, st- I like him. He's, a, you know, I, I, a friendly acquaintance. I can, you know, I, I, I like him and I think he's done so much good. I just I, and I said this to him. I wouldn't say anything to you that I didn't say right to him. It sounds like what they did was very coercive. On top of that, and this part I didn't say, but sort of Orwellian, too. Have you noticed it's not her uh, leadership council? It's Hillary Clinton. I guess she's doing this in every state. This is the Florida leadership. um, um, uh, Oh, boy. The the council, not uh, committee. It's the it's like the DLC. Remember the DLC, which was such a Clintonian uh, conservadem thing, and now she's doing it state by state. I just, it just leaves me with such a bad taste in my mouth. And it seemed to me, and, and Alan didn't say this, and and said he didn't take it as coercion, but basically it sounded to me that they said, be on our leadership council or committee or whatever it is, and um, you know, but if you don't do this and you don't endorse Hillary, um, then you lose access, which to me is coercion. But yeah, you know, it's I politics. You. I've talked to other other uh, people who were felt they and were willing to talk to me about it off the record, uh-huh. who felt that they were coerced yeah. by Hillary's people into endorsing her. I think I might have mentioned this to you a few weeks ago. Was that uh, another um, person who's running for Congress, who's a, 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 you know a leader of the party in, in, in the state where she where she is. <clears throat> Had told me. I mean, she's a um, what's it called? A, a super delegate. And, and 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 Hillary's people went after her immediately. They're trying to you know get the super delegates to commit. 
and she told me off the record that she was uh, going to vote for Bernie uh-huh. as a delegate. Wow. And, wow. and but she decided that she would stay neutral in terms of declaring in advance. And then she was uh, coerced by the Hillary people who, who overtly threatened her, not covertly, but overtly saying that if she didn't uh, back uh, Bernie, I'm sorry, if she didn't back um, Hillary, right. that they would run a um, that they would get behind another candidate who's thinking about running against her in the primary. Oh, my God. And, and I'm finding these type of things happening all over the country. Uh, you know, I'll talk to, you know, a lot, a lot of times these aren't famous people. These are just, you know, a, 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 a cog in the wheel of the state party. But that's what, that's what the Clintons are doing. They are going and reaching out to these people and saying, we want to endorse them. Another guy told me he had decided to be neutral. That, that's, you know, that was his decision. He wasn't going to endorse Hillary. He wasn't yeah. going to endorse Bernie in his heart. He was for Bernie in his in his brain. He he told me he figured that Bernie wasn't going to win the primary and he'd have to be with Hillary anyway. So he was just going to stay neutral. And they badgered him so much and threatened him and made made and called him at inopportune times. And he told him to stop calling him and to leave him alone. And they didn't. And he came out publicly and endorsed Bernie. Good for him. Yep. Um, he was furious. He was just furious at the, at the, the way they were treating him. And, and I'm telling you something. This is happening everywhere in the country. Yep. Everywhere. I get the feeling that that's the case. And and again, I didn't want to look. And and I believe Alan Grayson was sort of, for me and my listeners anyway in a no-win situation. I, I you know I didn't regret asking him the questions because I think that's my job. But if he said, look, yes, they were coercive. They basically blackmailed me. Either I did this or I lose access. And look, I'm not stupid. She she will likely get the nomination. I'd rather see Bernie Sanders, but I want to win. Um, you know, I, I get it. It's politics. I just wish he could have said that, and I understand that he can't. Alan was, I think, looking at it from a different perspective, which was that um, he wanted he wants some very, very specific stuff out of, uh, out of Hillary in terms of Social Security. For, right. uh, he's trying to get her to take a position on Social Security and Medicare sure. that's a little bit further in a Bernie direction than she's comfortable going. And he feels like he's making headway. And he feels like if he, he thinks in his mind, I think, from what I can interpret him saying, right. that, that he felt that he had to do this in order to get her to come along on something that he cares more about than, than uh, any of the personalities involved. I mean, Alan is, has been, from the day he first ran for Congress, has been about Social Security. He, he, wasn't, he, was, he was there before most people had heard of Elizabeth Warren. Yep. She was not a... Uh, she was not a candidate for the U.S. Senate when Alan was already talking about expanding Social Security. <clears throat> I mean, now everyone thinks that was her idea. Alan was campaigning on it in 2006. Wow. Yeah. And that's what, he's, that's what his political career is about, and it means more to him than, uh, than any of the other stuff. Right. Yeah, no, and know, I I'm agree. not telling you right. Alan's line because I don't think he would give it that way. Right. I'm telling you what I interpret uh, this to be uh, from my discussions. With no, him. and and he basically said that uh, to me too. That that he's uh, working on these. He thinks he's making headway. My question was then why why not hold that out as an you know a, a sort of in, inducement enticement? Why not say all right you you come to our position on you know uh, Medicare for all 
and, um, you know, increasing, expanding Social Security, uh, you know, lowering the retirement age, as it were. And then you get my endorsement. But it's almost like once you give on what they want, where's the incentive? You know, I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of uh, Sherrod Brown, right? The senator from Ohio. Yeah, I was at one time. He was my favorite Senate candidate that yep. Blue America had endorsed, uh-huh. and he's the only Senate candidate who was endorsed by Blue America when and then and then had us withdraw the endorsement. Wow. It's the only time that ever happened where we had endorsed someone and then we withdrew the endorsement. And this was my favorite guy who was running. And the reason he was my favorite guy is because of his positions on trade and on um, working family bread and butter issues in general. He's really, really great. But in the middle of the campaign, and the thing that caused us to withdraw our, um, our, our uh, endorsement of him, in the middle of the campaign, he became the only progressive to vote for B- Bush's torture bill. Oh. And, and he did it. Uh, because he felt he needed to do it to get elected. And I was just, I was horrified by it. Now, he later acknowledged that he did it and that it was a mistake and that he would make up for it. Okay, at least he publicly, when he went on TV and he acknowledged that he had made a mistake. I thought that was pretty big of him. And I was, you know, getting towards, uh, you know, sort of forgiving him. It's only been, it's been several years, but, uh, but I mean, it's been like about eight years, as a matter of fact. But the thing is, When he endorsed Hillary, which he did, he said something very similar to what you just said, which is he has been working on Hillary to to I'm not 100 percent sure. I can't remember which bill he was talking about. I think it was uh, TPP that he had gotten her to come around on TPP and he felt like he had to endorse her uh, because of that. And, and that makes sense to me. I mean, that, you know, he, he is, it, it's what he cares about. It might have been a different bill, but I think it was TPP. It's what he cares about, and he got her to change her talking points and to actually make the endorsement. And, you know, that's a, kind of an admirable thing that he was able to do that. Uh, I, I don't know that he ever would have endorsed Bernie, but, but uh-huh. he, like Elizabeth Warren, has been, sort of, ha- has been holding out his endorsement for quite a long time. Yeah, but we'll notice that Elizabeth Warren still hasn't endorsed anyone, and somehow I don't think she will. But who? I, I well, have no idea. I mean, let's not let's not put something together right. in our minds right. that uh, when she does, she's going to we'll be, you know, be disappointed. Right. I hope that she doesn't. I hope she remains neutral. Howie Klein, a few other things um, that, that you wrote about it, Down With Tyranny, this week that I do want to bring up. Um, and, and while we're talking about Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders, I found this fascinating. Now, I've never heard of Morning Consult. Uh, maybe it's a polling firm. I don't know. But you cite them um, that they polled residents of every state to find out if voters approve or disapprove of the job their senators are doing. And um, I think that this is not surprising at all. The results are not surprising at all. Who was the most popular senator to the residents of the state the senator represents? Bernie Sanders. And the most and the least popular Mitch McConnell, I, uh, you know, I, I find that I, I don't know how he pulled out this win uh, last time. He should have been voted out of office. But I think this is very telling. Uh, other, so, you know, uh, the other thing that I thought was very telling is how unpopular Joni Ernst is turning out to be. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, yes, yeah, she is. But if you'll notice, almost all of the freshmen are not, unpopular. they don't have high numbers. Right. People don't know who they are yet. They haven't mm-hmm. done anything yet. So don't read more into it okay. than than uh, than we should. It, by the way, they also did one um, a week or a couple of weeks before for every governor in the country. Huh? But of course, the thing that 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 we did 
all pick up on was that numero uno and by far. So with the highest, the highest approval rating in, in the state, uh, I think it was like something like 73%, and the lowest disapproval rating, which yeah. I think 13 or 14%, Bernie was ahead of all of his colleagues. Yeah. There is no one from any state that really came very close to Bernie. Bernie was uh, the, the most admired member of the Senate of anybody. And the point that I was trying to make when I was writing it was that that's because Republicans, not not Kate's Republicans, but, you know, kind of normal-ish Republican voters admire Bernie, too. Yeah. And that's why Bernie, and I included a chart in my, uh, in my post, Bernie is the last time it was polled, I'm not, just, they just polled Republicans, who do you want to see be the presidential nominee of your party? In other words, they're asking Republicans, who do you want to see as the nominee? Bernie was tied for number one with Trump. Right, in, in Vermont, right? Vermont, yeah. among Republicans in Vermont, yes. That's amazing. That really, amazing. that's and, a and testament. The point to that him. I was trying to make is that not very many Republicans are going to vote for Hillary Clinton. It's just not going to happen. There may be some if Trump is the nominee, you know, you know, they'll think, well, you know, she's better than he is. And it could happen if, if Trump is the nominee. Other than that, they don't like her at all. But if Bernie were the nominee, it, it, it's not too much of a stretch to imagine that there will be whatever is left of moderate Republicans uh, seriously considering uh, voting for Bernie. Well, I think so, too. There's a big, by the way, a big Facebook page group, uh, Republicans for Bernie Sanders. I've been talking with a guy who runs it about coming on the show. Who's, he's just busy between his job and that. But uh, the, it's a pretty sizable group. And there was a piece, Scott, I just closed it a few minutes ago, uh, right before I called you, at The Atlantic. Yep, the Republicans who support Bernie Sanders. It was just published uh, November 24th. Uh, it says some conservatives are defending defying expectation and backing the Vermont senator. And it's it's a fascinating article. I think you actually refer to this in, in uh, at least one or two of your posts at Down With Tyranny, because I, I've been looking. There are a few uh, Florida Republicans quoted in here, and I thought maybe I'd try to reach out for them. And when I Googled one of them, you came up. <laughs> so you wrote about at least one of these people, too. Uh, this is an interesting phenomenon. I just hope, you know, Bernie, look, he's up against this massive force and, and I hope he can hang in there long enough to, you know, to to stick it out through the primary process and not throw in the towel, say, if no, he no, doesn't do no. well in South Carolina. I don't think he will either. No. Um, no, I mean, I, I mean, I shouldn't say he's not going to ever throw in the towel. Right. Eventually, if he if he's not going to win, he, he might. But, uh, uh, you know, he's certainly going through Iowa, New Hampshire and South Carolina and Nevada. I mean, yep. I, I, you know, if he is uh, wiped out in all three of them, who knows what's going to happen unless he, you know, feels that this, you know, he's going to make some headway in Michigan or something like that. But, um, you know, she, you know, in order for him to be a, a, what you would call a serious contender more than he already is, he's got to win something. You know, I mean, the, the, the machine around Hillary is already trying to discount New Hampshire. And say, well, it's next door to uh, Vermont, Vermont, so it doesn't oh, count. God. Well, they're oh. they're gonna try to twist anything you know good that happens for Bernie into you know something that it isn't. But um, well, we know. Uh, one last thing I want to ask you about: you've got a um, another post up at Down with Tyranny about 
yeah, about marijuana, about medical marijuana. And you, you, uh, we, we've talked on my show a lot, your, your battle the last, over the last year with a, a rare form of cancer and the chemotherapy and the other treatments that you went through. Um, but we hadn't talked about marijuana and your, whether or not you used it to, uh, help with the effects of the chemo. Um, but wow, what a great piece you wrote. So uh, medical marijuana really helped. Yes. It did. And, and like I said in, in, the, in the story, I tried to set it up by explaining I was like a, a, you know, I mean, if you could be a junkie from pot, I was a junkie. When I was a teenager, I was just like all about pot. It was the center of my life. And it was very, very difficult for me to kick my lifestyle as a marijuana person. And, uh, but when I did it, and it was 1969, it was December 1st, 1969, I was sitting in my Volkswagen van at the border between Pakistan and India, and after trying for over a year to stop using it and, and not being able to succeed in any meaningful way, suddenly it was as though God reached into me and pulled out the desire to use marijuana. So it was no longer a matter of willpower. I had the willpower. I could stop, but then I would start again. But this wasn't about willpower. This pulled out. The, I have never felt after that any desire to use marijuana huh. after that day in December of 1969. Boom, it ended, it ended, it ended. And I was glad that it wasn't something that was going to be part of my life anymore. Now, since then, I have smoked a couple of joints here and there. It didn't, it, I didn't necessarily want to do it or not want to do it. It just was a, an occasion. It were, right. There weren't many of them. But, you know, every, when I worked at Warner Brothers, oh. I, Neil Young was one of the artists I worked with. And whenever he delivered a new album, he always wanted to get high. I love that. And he would <laughs> I smoke a joint. want to smoke a joint. And, hey, what am I going to say? No. Right, right. So I would, you know, take a couple of tokes um, with him and <clears throat> get high for the rest of the day. <laughs> Same with Green Day. I mean, they, they thought it was thrilling that they could walk into the president's office of their record company <laughs> and, and, and smoke a joint. Some- I was happy to do that right. with him. However... I wasn't a, a pothead. I wasn't into pot. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't have any around. I didn't want to do it. If people offered it to me, generally, I would say no, thank you. However, when I, when I, when you're suffering from the effects of chemotherapy, and you can't sleep and you can't eat, and I, I like I said in my story, I had lost 45 pounds. I was afraid I was going to die from withering away. Uh, it, it, it was a very, very frightening time. And when you're not sleeping, you're not healing. When you're not eating, you're not healing. Yeah. When you're in agony, and I would be up at night screaming mm. at the top of my lungs from the pain in the middle of the night to the point where Roland would say, you're, you're going to flip out everybody in the neighborhood. Wow. Um, you know, and then people were saying to me, you know, don't be stupid. Take some marijuana. And I talked to my doctor about it, and she said, yes, you should do it. And once she gave me the okay, I started using a little bit of uh, marijuana oil, and the very, very first time I did it, the first time I did it, I, uh, I slept a full night. I hadn't slept a full night in months. Wow. I woke up in the morning. My sister was downstairs, and I yelled, I am starving. Make breakfast. <laughs> and she started crying. She was so excited. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That, see, so, this is a great story to hear. And this is what people need to hear. You know, it's one thing. And look, I, I, you know, I've been a pothead since high school. I mean, I've gone years uh, without and then, you know, take it up again. But I, 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 I'm not a drinker. Um, and I, I think we should, as adults, have access to that. But hearing the how this helps, uh, especially a, a chemo patient um, with the pain, with sleeping, with eating, this is a no-brainer. 
And I, I think that um, uh, cannabis is going to be a big issue in 2016. It's going to be on the ballot in a lot of states. It will be back on the ballot here in Florida. And I think I, I hope Democrats use it as a, a get out the vote uh, mechanism because, look, they can they can mobilize a lot of young people this way. Yes, uh, and I, I think that that will happen. Um, I was really excited because for two things. First of all, only one candidate is advocating um, that it be decriminalized, and that's Bernie Sanders. Yep. The other candidates have, you know, are halfway there. Some of them are opposed to it. You, you get a guy like uh, Chris Christie, and he's against uh-huh. it. But, you know, some of the others are saying, well, leave it, leave it to the states. So you've got, like, Rand Paul and Hillary Clinton saying, leave it to the states. They just don't want to deal with it. Uh, you've got even Ted Cruz, I think, is in, says he's in that category of leave it to the states. But um, Bernie, not only is he saying he wants to do this, he's already introduced a bill in the Senate to do it. I mean, he's actually working on it. So the other thing that I was excited about was that one of the uh, other um, – Congressman who Blue America has supported uh, is Ted Lieu. Um, and Ted, not only did he introduce an amendment, he got it passed unanimously. There wasn't one objection from a Republican or a Democrat to, to stop the DEA from um, you know, pulling up the plants and burning the, the marijuana plants. They, they, they spend millions and millions of dollars. In fact, their budget is $18 million annually. And what Ted did was he removed $9 million, so half. And he, what he told me is he plans to remove the other half next year. So he, he took $9 million out of their budget. He wants to, to take all of it out of the budget, but he wants to do it in two steps. And he, he put it towards other things that he felt were necessary uh, to, to help people. Uh, you know, like a, there was a, a, a woman's uh, – an organization that helps women kicking uh, marijuana and other drugs. And he wants to, in fact, it was other drugs, not even marijuana. Right. I, 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 I sort of highlight the other, the other things of how, of the other places where he wants to put that money. But it was all, you know, related. And it was all stuff that Ted felt would be more valuable and make more sense than just eradication of marijuana plants. So, um, so he, he, he's working on that. He's trying to get, he has to get Ryan to agree now. Now, Ryan did agree when Ted first brought it up, but now Ryan is speaker, and he, he will be, he, Ted is asking him to include that amendment in the final omnibus bill that passes before December 11th if they wind up passing it and we have a budget. So we'll see what happens with that. But that kind of stuff is very exciting to me, and it's very important. And a lot of times people sort of miss that kind of stuff and don't understand that these are things that are going on all the time that affect all of our lives and how important they are. Uh, you know, I mean, if you have a relative or a friend, and most of us either do or will, who's undergoing chemo, and they're in a state that doesn't allow marijuana, mm-hmm. that, that's, that's cruel and inhuman, and there's no reason for it. I mean, I, 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 you know, I experienced it myself. I'm anything but someone who's all about pot. I'm the opposite of that. I don't care about it one way or the other. But but going through it myself made me understand how really, really important it is for people. I mean, you know, I met other patients at the hospital who couldn't get it, who were just suffering unbearably and for no reason. And, and you know, and this, this fake marijuana, marinol. Oh, that, God, that, that's bad. Good. It no. does more harm than good. Right. And marijuana is just such a cool, <laughs> a cool way to solve a problem and so fast. Yeah. 
Uh, and it's like, I, like I'm like now some kind of an addict. I haven't touched marijuana since this thing ended months ago. I, I have no desire to. I have tons of it around. I have all this stuff around. And I, I'm, you know, I, I'll, eventually I'll probably throw it in the garbage. Right. Wow. Well, you know what? Look, Howie Klein, this is the time of year when we express the things that we're grateful for. Um, uh, I'm so thankful that you're okay. Um, you're in remission now. The doctors say the prognosis is good. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, they're giving me, like, uh, you know, another uh, uh, decade plus. Nice. And at which point they feel that they'll have a, um, uh, a cure for this. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not uh, you know, 20 years old anymore, so I'm, I'm not really that worried about it. That's awesome. That's the best news ever. We, it was a long, uh, you know, just sitting here and uh, checking in with you every week to see if you were feeling well enough to come on again. Um, I, I'm so, so grateful that you were able to get the, the medical care you needed, that Medicare came through for you, and that medical marijuana helped ease the, the, the side effects of the chemo and that you're doing well. This should I mean, tell us a lot us of times so people don't understand what Medicare is, and they don't understand, but you know, why it's important to, to not let the Republicans uh, and conservative Democrats change it, which they all want to do. And, and, and I experienced that. My treatment cost over $2 million. Wow. I'm not a poor person, but I couldn't have afforded $2 million. I mean, that, I mean maybe, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I mean, that, it's, a, it's a horrible thing to ask. And, and, and lots of people aren't as well off as I am. And $2 million would have, you know, they wouldn't be able to. They, right. they wouldn't be able to afford it. And, and I wound up, I, I, I tried to add up the, uh, the amount of money I spent on this $2 million worth of treatment. And it was about $175 out of pocket. Wow. That's incredible. You see? And just think, if we had Medicare for all, I wouldn't be sitting here stressing over which, uh, you know, Obamacare plan to go with that won't kill me before some disease does. Yep. Yeah. Medicare for all, that is the, that's what makes sense. Yep. That's what, uh, you know, congressmen and senators, so many congressmen and so many senators feel this is the way to go. I mean, obviously, it's a center point of Bernie Sanders' campaign uh, this is something that Alan Grayson has been talking to me about yeah. since I first met him yeah. uh, back uh, over 10 years ago. This, this is the way to go with this kind of thing, and it's, it's what, we ha what we have to do, and eventually we will, but the Republicans and the conservative Democrats are dragging their feet on it, and they, they don't want to see it happen because in the end, anything like this that has to happen, it means that the very, very wealthy – who are the ones who pay for these very nice careers for all these members of Congress, they're going to have to pay more. And they don't want to pay more in taxes. They want to pay less in taxes. And that's why that is really, in the end, that is the only reason why we have so much opposition to expanding Medicare, expanding Social Security. I mean, these are really, really successful programs that have saved so many lives and made so many lives better and richer for so many people. And yet we still have this opposition from the entire Republican Party and from the, you know, the New Dems and the Blue Dogs, the conservative, horrid people uh, who call themselves Democrats, like in your state, Patrick Murphy. Uh -huh. Tell me about it. Obviously, I could keep going for hours with Howie Klein. And well, if you want to hear from him again, tune in to my show at RadioOrNot.com on Thursday mornings. At 11.30 Eastern or, you know, anytime for the podcast. Uh, with that, we're done for the day. Um, I will be back next time, one more time, to fill in for Brad and Desi, and then they'll return 
from their oh um, sick leave slash Thanksgiving holiday. Mm, I think they ate a lot of chicken soup and not turkey. All right. Um, until next time, thank you to Howie Klein and thank you to you. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I'm Nicole Sandler of Radio or Not for the broadcast. <laughs>